the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thank you so very much for joining us on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Online at alwaysright.us. It's eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Monday, the 26th morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Creeping ever closer to, and I know it's cliche to say, but ever closer to the most important election of our lifetime. The most important elections, since there are several races and several um uh, campaigns that are going to be decided on uh, on November eighth, and collectively they will be the most important of our lifetime. And you know, you say, well, how many of those can you have a lifetime? Quite literally, when you're in the state that we're in, when we are trying to fight for everything that this country was built upon, quite literally, <laughs> that's not that's not an exaggeration. I really don't believe that's not hyperbole. When you are fighting to protect and preserve, or since some of it has been taken, to restore everything upon which this country was built, gifted to us all, um, 
we, we literally are facing a, a, a battle for all of that, it becomes the most important election of our lifetime each election cycle. That sounds crazy, and it sounds like, ah, it's just, you know, so much hyperbole, but but it's really not. I truly believe that the last election was the most important election of our lifetime, the one that gave us Joe Biden. Don't believe me? Look at the state our country is in. Look at what our lives have devolved and deteriorated into because of the outcome of that election, or, to be more precise, because of the fraudulent outcome of that election, which I firmly, firmly believe. Because of that, look at where we are. So I, it was right. I was right. We were right. All of us were right to say um, that that was the most important of election of our lifetime. We saw this country going from you know, extraordinary heights, energy independence, being net exporters of energy, extraordinary low inflation, record low unemployment numbers, uh, wage increases, um, ending horrific, horrific trade deals with some of our least favored nations, if you will. And I'm talking about the Chinese, which have continued to impose extraordinary, uh, uh, or not impose, rather, but to enjoy extraordinary imbalance, trade imbalance between the countries, in which they took us to the cleaners for decades. You know, Donald Trump got rid of that. Uh, got us out of the horrific Paris Climate Accords, which did nothing but cost us billions, and did nothing, absolutely nothing, in the quote-unquote fight against climate change. And I use that very carefully, very loosely, because it's all a hoax anyway. Uh, and I mean that also very literally. Don't challenge me on it, because we'll, we'll have a battle. Um, but at any rate... Things were going exceedingly well. Of course, COVID was going to throw a monkey wrench into it no matter what, and it did. And and massive lockdowns and massive school closures and massive layoffs uh, all followed it, you know, overwhelming numbers of people in hospitals and doctor's offices and things. Yeah, that was going to be a problem, you know, was a problem that Trump would have had to deal with if he had, uh, you know, kept his office and served his second term. But he didn't. And so we were given Brandon, and Brandon was forced upon us. And all Brandon has brought us is 40-year high inflation, literally in the middle of a recession now. They continue to spend more money while in a recession, raising taxes while in a recession. Uh, violent crime spiking off the charts in every major American city. Police officers understaffed in every major American city. Back to the climate accord. Back to helping Iran become nuclear. I mean, it's, it's, it's a nightmare how everything has gone off the rails in just 20 months. So when I said, you know, when I said, uh, going into the 2020 election, which I said also going into the 2018 midterms, and I said in the 2016 presidential election, each one of those was the most important of our lifetimes. And I believe the trend continues until we get some stability. Stability is probably the best uh, the best thing to call it. Until we get some sort of stability and some sort of reason, reason and, and common sense about us, where we're not doing just extraordinary things, challenging basic biological science, challenging and taking away and removing parents' rights over their, over their kids, um, putting people back to work instead of letting them continue to live off of the COVID funds that were granted, uh, 
until we get back to some semblance of normalcy, each election from here on out is going to be the most important of our lifetime. You know, we lost or had it taken from us again in 2020, and we knew we were going to have to try to. What did I say on these airwaves back then? Everybody was sad and disappointed the way things turned out. Bob, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? How are we going to manage to, uh, you know, stop the Democrats from their radical ideas? They're going to pack the court. They're going to uh, add states. Uh, they're going to give themselves a permanent control of the Senate, uh, permanent control of the court. All of these things are going to happen. And, and I remember talking about it. We just have to tread water for two years. Tread water. Don't No, we're not going to make any advances. Just don't sink and die. Just don't sink to the bottom and drown. Just hold steady and hope that we have some sort of influence in Washington over the key central figures that would be the key deciding votes on the most key, crucial, um, republic-destroying agenda items of the Democrat Party. And for the most part, for the most part, not all the way, we've done exactly that. We've just treaded water. Now we're under 50 days. Now we're under 50 days, and we have a chance to do what needed to be done, what needs to be done. And that is reverse the course, at least a little bit. Stop the radical extremist uh, legislation from coming out of a, uh, a Democrat-controlled House by Nancy Pelosi and a, Republic, or a Democrat-controlled Senate, which is really not controlled other than, than uh, Kamala Harris gets to make the tie-breaking votes. But, you know, for two years, we can get rid of all of that. How much good can be done from the Republican legislature in that time? I don't know. I don't know. I would like to say I have a ton of confidence that they're going to do a lot of great things. They're going to get a lot of bills passed. They're going to get a lot of things done. But they all have to go through Biden. And there will not be a veto-proof majority in the Senate. So Biden's going to have his veto stamp. And so you're not going to get a ton done. But again, it will stop the most radical extremist things from being done that are being planned right now and that are in motion right now by the Democrats until we can then take back the White House in 2024. So it's a little bit of a... You know, we have to be willing to play the long game. That's a term that is used by, you know, in a lot of cases, by a lot of people, to describe some very, very terrible plans for the United States of America and for the free Western world. Um, That is something that the jihadists are notorious for and are spectacularly patient about, playing the long game. There are individuals who dedicate their lives to jihad and to essentially establishing an Islamic caliphate around the world to make us a a one-religion world, and have a one-world religion, if you will. And they know full well it's not going to get done in their lifetimes, but they play their little part, their little role. They play the long game. So sometimes you have to play the long game. And in our case, that might involve, hey, it's not going to all get solved in November. We can take a step toward it. But then we're going to have to wait another two years. It's a long time in order to continue to take the step back to restore some sense of fiscal, cultural sanity. I'll use both of those, fiscal and cultural, because both of those things are completely insane right now. The spending, the tax and spend, Democrat policies continuing to damage this economy and harm Americans every single week they go to the grocery store, and every single time they try to find clothing for their kids, every time they try to find some part to fix their car, everything is just through the roof in cost. All of these things can be fixed 
The fiscal sanity can be restored. The cultural sanity can be restored. But it's going to take an extraordinary effort, extraordinary effort from all of us. Two of the individuals who I think are fighting for those particular uh, items are going to be our guests today. Coming up in less than a half an hour, in fact, in about 15 minutes, 20 minutes maybe. Yeah, we'll give it 20. At about 9.37, we're going to talk to Congressman Jim Jordan. He will help us in this fight. I know that for a fact. We'll talk to him about a number of issues. Then at 10.35, one hour after, we're going to talk to John Hagan. John Hagan called us unsolicited on Friday um, during our broadcast. Uh, he um, wanted to talk about the uh, Hill, or the uh, resolution that was introduced by Ohio Board of Education member Brendan Shea to, again, restore some what? Cultural sanity, some scientific sanity, and some parental rights to Ohio parents and in Ohio schools because of the off the rails um, indoctrination and grooming agenda of the American left centered in the American Left National Educators Association. That's right, the teachers' unions are far left, the Ohio Education Association. And in a startling example we got from Jack Windsor last week, Hilliard, the Hilliard Education Association, just one school district, many of them are off the charts in terms of their indoctrination and grooming uh, um, agenda. And John Hagen, who's a member of that Ohio Board of Education, heard us talking about it and called in to say it's not exactly right. Jack and I were talking on uh, um, Friday. It's not exactly right to say the vote on that resolution has been delayed. It hasn't been delayed. This is the standard operating procedure. It will be voted on in a couple of weeks. But um, we were just discussing, John and I were, as the program came to an end, the some of the important tenets of that resolution being introduced by of courageous Ohio board member Brendan Shea. <clears throat> in order to try to stop this insanity and give parents some sort of a, a say back in what is done to their kids in schools. And uh, we ran out of time, and I said, John, can you come back on, because we are just scratching the surface. There's so much that we have to get through here and that we have to talk about, we have to educate parents about. And he said, yes, sir, and uh, sure enough, here we are. We'll have him at 1035 today. So they're, uh, we're fighting. We're fighting for, for fiscal sanity. We're fighting for a rest- restoration of cultural sanity. It's all part of this massive, massive uh, movement as we head into November 8th and the midterm elections. Okay, it's 920. Before we take our break, I know what you're waiting for. I know people turn on the radio every day to this station at about this time. They want to be able to join their fellow patriots in saying our pledge. So I will ask you now, patriots, go ahead and rise wherever you might be. Put your hand on your heart. Look at your flag if you have one nearby. If you don't, that is okay. If you are a supporter, one of the very, very few as the polling numbers come out and the approval rating continues to plummet, if you continue to support the uh, destruction of the American experiment that we were gifted, the American Republic, if you continue to support the establishment of Marxism and socialism in this country and the end of parental rights. And so many of the things we're talking about right now, well, we know you don't believe in that flag anyway, so you don't have to fake it. You are exempted from the request to stand and pledge your allegiance to it. You may instead have a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback while the rest of us say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. 
Phone lines are going to be open too at 216-901-0945, 888-281-1110. It's always right radio on a Monday. Thanks for being with us. AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 924 now, Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Good Monday to you. Appreciate you being with us. So uh, a couple of updates on this most important election uh, in, in, in our lifetimes, as I say. And again, uh, I hope the explanation was worthy uh, to explain what I'm talking about. A couple of points here. Number one, um, the Biden team has got to be just in desperate you know, straits right now. They were touting and were on Twitter and on social media saying, how come nobody's talking about Biden's approval ratings bouncing back up? Biden's approval ratings have bounced back up. They're up over 40%. Because, of course, they had been under 40% in the 30s. They were the worst in recent uh, presidential memory. And they were all kind of excited. See, this is proof. Biden's approval is going up. That means the Democrats overall, their approval is going up, and we are not going to lose control in November. This is what they were saying. So this has to be extraordinarily disheartening for them. The latest numbers show, nope, not so fast. His ranking sank below 40% again in a poll just released yesterday. So this is as current as it gets. Who did this poll? It's not a push poll from a conservative outlet. This is ABC Washington Post, and there is no one more pro-Biden and pro-progressivism and leftism than the Washington Post. The ABC News uh, Washington Post poll uh, found that 53% of the respondents disapproved of Biden's job performance, only 39% approved. 14 points underwater, under 50 days to go until the election. That's extraordinary as are some of the numbers that are baked into that total approval number. Respondents gave Republicans double-digit leads when asked on who they trusted to handle inflation. The respondents in this ABC News Washington Post poll of 1,006 adults, which is a very solid uh, uh, sample size in national polling, gave Republicans double-digit leads when it comes to who they trusted most to handle the economy. And respondents gave Republicans double-digit leads when asked who they trusted to handle crime. The inflation, the economy, and crime, all double-digit leads for the Republicans. Multiple reports had Biden making a comeback among voters. An uptick in recent polling. Only 36% of those in the poll approved of Biden's handling of the economy. 74% described it as bad. The economy was seen as highly important by 84% of those responding to the poll, while 76 considered inflation to be highly important. The Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade did not seem to help the Democrats, according to the poll, with 76% of those who supported the ruling, the Supreme Court's ruling, saying they were uh, certain to vote, as opposed to 70% of those who opposed the ruling. So let's, let's clarify that. 76% of pro-lifers say the ruling by Dobbs excited them and made them even more likely to vote. 70% of those who were pro-death who opposed the ruling are more likely to vote. So they don't even have 
a majority in the Dobbs case. You know, Biden is a, the the term that has been coined to uh, to describe Democrat hopes in November is Rovember. That the Roe ruling or the Dobbs ruling, which impacted Roe versus Wade, was going to inspire Democrats to come out and crawl across broken glass to vote and oppose the uh, pro-life party. But they are being outnumbered even in that case, much less the issues of inflation and the economy and crime. So Biden is sinking, and he's sinking fast, which is what leads us, with again, less than 50 days away from the, uh, uh, the election, which leads us to this. You remember Peppermint Patty? Sometimes known as Jen Psaki, more often known as Madam Circleback, often known as Propaganda Patty which is what my favorite is. But she just looks so identical to Peppermint Patty in the Charlie Brown cartoons. You just have to know it. But anyway, Jen Psaki, former White House Press Secretary Propaganda Patty herself, asked yesterday about the Democrat Party in the fast-approaching midterm elections and uh, what her opinion was. Her answer is, if this is, the midterms, a referendum on the president, Democrats will lose. End quote. That's very direct, and that is very honest, and that had to hurt her to say, because she was the spokesperson for that president. But it's true. If it's a referendum on Joe Biden and his under 40% approval rating, Democrats will, will lose. And guess what? It damn well better be a referendum on Joe Biden, because Joe Biden is the head of the party. Joe Biden is the guy that they handed the keys to all of their future to. They handed the keys to a guy who can't drive. They hand the keys to a guy who can't find his way off the stage, shuffling around like he's in his slippers and his bathrobe in the home. The guy is Joe Biden. He is making the calls. He is making the decisions. He is the guy, well, he's the guy that they have out front that they say is making the decisions, and America can't stand him. So, yes, Madam Circleback, this will be a referendum on Joe Biden, and you're right. Yes, it means your party is going to lose. We'll talk more about this and more with Jim Jordan coming up right after the news on Always Right Radio AM 1420, The Answer. Come on, baby, light my fire. Try to set the night on fire. Waking up America from its woke slumber. Always Right Radio with Bob Fretz on The Answer. 938 now. We do continue on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Appreciate you being with us. So uh, Joe Biden's got an interesting way to calculate things. In 41 states plus the District of Columbia, the average gasoline price is less than $2.99. <laughs> I mean, literally, how does a president of the United States get away with literally making things up out of whole cloth? There is absolutely, even the Washington Post fact-checked it, CNN fact-checked it. Everybody said, yeah, that was just totally not true. Gas is still, by the way, $1.31 a gallon higher now nationally on, on average than it was when he took office on January 21st, or 20th, rather, of 2021. Let's welcome in Congressman Jim Jordan now, as we do each and every Monday, for a little analysis of where we are. Less than 50 days to go now before the midterm elections. Congressman, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm fine, Bob. Good to, good to talk with you. Good to see you last week when you were down in D.C., but... Uh... 
It's, it's amazing. Joe Biden, what, 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 a couple of weeks ago, he calls half the country extremists, and then he turns around and lies to us. Uh, but what, I don't know how many times he's told us something that isn't true. So I think in, in some ways it's kind of sad. I think the country's sort of getting used to him saying ridiculous things and no one paying it much attention, unfortunately. Yeah, they're not. And, uh, you know, well, actually, some are. Some are. And, and that was very, I guess, if I'm looking for a silver lining here, uh, to his just willingness to baldly lie to the American people uh, in, in the way they did a bald-faced lie, to say that, you know, CNN and, and even the Washington Post, two of his biggest cheerleading media outlets, uh, called him called him uh, on the carpet Calling, for yeah. that. So, so, but, I mean, you know, it, it, it is, is really an astounding thing, Congressman. I want to ask your opinion of where we sit now less than 50 days, considering the new poll just came out yesterday, ABC news washington post that little bump that the the biden supporters were bragging about oh my gosh look at that the the approval ratings are on the rise uh we're gonna win in november we've got this uh smack in the face of reality came from the abc news washington uh uh, post poll yesterday that showed his approval dipped back under 40 percent again 54 percent disapprove 39 percent approve uh of the job that he is doing and republicans have double digit leads in the issues that matter most economy inflation and crime uh so so i mean this is this is i i gotta think great news for you and uh, the republican party yeah, well, I mean, it's bad news for the country that we're in this, this terrible situation because of Joe Biden and Democrat-run government policies. But I've always felt that this campaign was, uh, I call it four-plus freedom, four key issues plus-plus freedom. And we've said this many times on your show, but, you know, again, we went from secure border to no border. So the border is, is a huge issue. We went from stable prices to record inflation, 41 here high inflation. So that's a key issue. We went from safe streets just 20, 21, 22 months ago under President Trump to record levels of crime in every major urban area. So crime is a huge issue. And then what what, what he was misleading the country about uh, this week, uh, we went from $2 gas to $5 gas, and we went from energy independence to begging oil, uh, begging OPEC and, and Saudi Arabia and others to, to increase production. So those are the four big issues. And then on top of what they've done to you, your family, your economy, your community, your small business, there's the attack on your liberty. There's the weaponization of government coming after your First Amendment freedoms. Remember when they tried the disinformation governance board? Uh, they're coming after your Second Amendment rights, that crazy bill that the Senate uh, and, and, and the House passed. Um, and, of course, your Fourth Amendment due process rights. So I think this election, when, it, when, it, when they walk into that voting booth, voters are going to say, you know what? We are so much worse off economically than we were, crime-wise, than we were under President Trump. And, and they're also coming after my fundamental rights. I'm going to vote Republican. I think that's how it goes. You know, I, I, I think you're right. And, and you know, it's interesting, um, since you brought up the Second Amendment, they're coming for that as well. Uh, Biden was on the stump. I don't even know where he was uh, on Saturday, but uh, the, the video made the rounds. He uh, he asked and answered his own question. He did one of his patented, what in God's name do you need an assault weapon for? I mean, I, mean, I know he was just waiting to get to the deer-wearing Kevlar thing, but then he said, those things are meant to kill people, you know, to defend America, to defend people. He literally yeah. asked and answered his own question. What do you need an AR-15 for? What do you want a quote-unquote <laughs> soldier for? To defend people. That's exactly what it's for. And, and yet he still finds himself, you know, uh, uh, attacking and uh, condemning those who, who believe in their Second Amendment rights. Yeah. To, to, to defend you and your family and your property at a time when crime is at record high. That, that, that's, that, I mean, that's the bottom line here. That's what the Second Amendment's about. It's about protecting your freedom, protecting freedom, your family, your property, when bad guys want to do you harm. So, um, but again, this is, this is Joe Biden. And oh, by the way, 
the one place that they want, they, we actually had the debate in our committee, in Judiciary Committee, and we offered amendments saying we don't want these, these agencies all armed up and having assault weapons. You're trying to ban assault weapons from American citizens, law-abiding American citizens, but you want the Department of Education, you want the IRS to have assault weapons. They have, this is the Democrats. They have it exactly backwards when it comes to how the Second Amendment is supposed to work and what's going on in our culture. Yeah, that that's a very, very important part of this. They they literally want, uh, you know, I mean, I don't want to sit here and go back to the founding of this country, but I mean, and, and if you look at other countries and other peoples who have been overrun by 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 dictatorships, by by authoritarian, totalitarian governments, the first thing they did was take away their guns so that nobody had the ability to yep. fight back against that. So uh, you're exactly right pointing out what the uh, government has and what they do not want us to have. Uh, I want to play another clip for you, Congressman uh, Jordan, uh, who is the uh, ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee, for those who do not recall. I want to play this one because this is uh, a former mayor of Atlanta, Georgia, who is now one of Joe Biden's top advisors. How she got this job, I don't know. Maybe I do. Maybe this this uh, clip I'm about to play answers that question. But she, um, she was doing an inter- interview on MSNBC, and they were discussing, obviously, the same thing you and I are right now, and that is the direction of this country by party and by ideology. And this is, I want you to listen to what she had to say about MAGA Republicans, which would describe you, which would describe me, which would describe mm-hmm. probably 80, 90 million people in this country. But here's what she said about us. Well, I think it will be important for all of us who care about the United States of America to call out what we see. And what we see, again, with this MAGA Republican agenda is an effort to disrupt our democracy. So whether it be through November and beyond November, I think it will always be important to call out any effort there is to destroy, essentially destroy the United States of America. How do you respond to uh, Joe Biden's, one of Joe Biden's top advisors saying that political opponents, people who don't agree with him, are trying to destroy the United States of America? Yeah, I, I think I, I go back to what we've talked about uh, before. This is today's new left. Uh, they, they, don't, they don't appreciate the First Amendment. They're actually against the First Amendment because it used to be the left would say, let's have the debate. You, you make your, your case. I'll make mine. Let's, let's, let's have the vote. Let's see what happens. That's not today's left. Today's left says, if you don't agree with me, you're not allowed to talk. And if you try, if you don't bend the knee, we're going to call you names. We're going to call you extremists. We're going to call you fascists. We're going to call you racist. We're going to say that you're something less than, 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 than that's allowed to be in, in, in public discourse. It is so wrong, so egregious. But all we can do is call it out every single time and go to the voting booth now in, what, 43 days, Go to the voting booth and vote for conservatives and Republicans who will respect the First Amendment. That, that, that is the bottom line here. I, it, it, is, it is so fundamental. What they're doing is so contrary to the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and the First Amendment. It's scary. But we've got we to gotta call them out and go to, the, go to the voting booth and make sure you vote for the right person. Uh, Congressman Jordan, I'm glad you brought up the importance of the First Amendment among the, and by the way, I just, just a quick response to Keisha Lance Bottoms too. I mean, I'm holding the palm card that Kevin McCarthy put out the, uh, commitment to America. Yeah. Uh, the four principles, an economy that's strong, a nation that's safe, a future that's built on freedom, and a government that is accountable. To, to, to describe that as something that is an attempt to destroy America is just, just beyond the pale. It is literally what America was founded upon those things. Uh, it is restoring America. It is recovering America. It is continuing to protect America, but uh, yep. to the First Amendment part of this, um, 
a lot of people, myself included, including the group that I represent, Citizens for Free Speech, were very, very concerned and disappointed to learn that Ted Cruz, who originally opposed this media cartel bill that was proposed yeah. by Amy Klobuchar, uh, which you know essentially allows um, you know uh, big tech to to you know trample upon the First Amendment rights to be heard of people who with whom uh, you know the al- the uh, algorithm writers and moderators disagree. We all know it's always been conservatives. Yeah. Ted Cruz came out very vocally against this when it was proposed, then offered an amendment to it, apparently got that amendment through, and now is in favor of this. What is your take on it? Well, no, I'm against it. I'm strongly against this bill. I think this, as you pointed out, Bob, this we had a hearing on this uh, a year ago, and we we had as our witnesses Clay Travis and Glenn Greenwald, and, and we talked about in that hearing, this is the idea of marrying a big tech and big media, I think working closely with big government to further censor conservatives. I mean, one of the organizations strongly opposes this is Breitbart News because, you know, they know what it's like to have the big guys come in and try to go after them, big tech come in, and now they're looking at, oh, the New York Times and, and, and big tech are going to team up against Breitbart to make it that much harder for conservatives to get their message out. So, um, I, I just, I just, I just don't like this, this, this idea that there is going to be this, this, this marrying up of big tech, big government, big, uh, big media to harm conservative in the fir- conservative speech and what I think is, is, is the First Amendment. So, um, we'll be fighting this. We'll see what happens here in the, in the final few weeks of this, uh, this, uh, session. I, uh, I I don't mean to be uh, badgering you on this, no pun intended, with your Wisconsin fellas. Uh, but um, <laughs> they got they got badgered by the Buckeyes. Pretty <laughs> they did. That. <laughs> um, but but I, I I do want to hit the cruise part of this again. Um, if I were to go into a proverbial foxhole to fight for the First Amendment, and I needed two people from Congress with me, I would be very 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 comfortable with Jim Jordan and Ted Cruz in that foxhole. I am stunned by his flip on this. Do you, do you have any insight into how he uh, would be suddenly, it's now the Cruz-Klobuchar bill. Yeah. I want to look closely at the amendment because I, I, I haven't had a chance to study closely. We just saw, heard about this last week. There's another bill that we're also uh, may come up for a vote this week that, that deals with uh, this area just to some degree. So I want to look closely at the amendment. But all I know is that what we had in front of us a year ago was, I thought, very dangerous. We had some Republicans who, because it sounds good, like, oh, we want them to be able to work together, and, 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 and it looks like it's designed to help smaller media, smaller newspapers around the country um, uh, compete better. But when you got into it, it was like, well, we even had a member of uh, a Republican member of our committee who was a co-sponsor of legislation said, you know, I'm having second thoughts about my co-sponsorship in light of what I'm hearing here today. So I thought our hearing went went very well, particularly with Greenwald and uh, and Clay Travis uh, given their comments. I'll look at uh, Senator Cruz's amendment, but I'm I'm I don't know if there's any amendment that can improve this thing enough that that where Klobuchar still supports it, that's worth supporting. So I'm still strongly against it, but I, I need to look at his uh, specific language. Okay, I appreciate that. Maybe we can follow up on that next week because I, I find sure. that to be very important. You know, they call it you know combating misinformation. I call it f- straight up censorship, and I don't know what amendment, as you say, could change that. Uh, I've got three topics left, but uh, the clock says one, so I'm going to go with this one. Last okay. week you reported <laughs> on the whistleblower uh, um, yeah. uh, who who talked about the removal of FBI agents from child trafficking cases. I don't know what yeah. could be more important. Uh, somebody could give me a list, I suppose, but I can't think of anything that would top child trafficking as a priority for our federal law enforcement, but they were pulled off of federal child trafficking cases in order to start investigations on MAGA Americans. Can you give us more on that, please? 
Well, it's it's this it's this narrative uh, that we talked about earlier that Joe Biden uh, talks about that uh, his staffer talked about. Um, so you know when you when you call half the country extremist and, and fascist, then you you have to have the numbers that back that that crazy claim up, and they're not there, so they're manufacturing. Now we had a whistleblower a few weeks back who came to us and said that they're just playing up juice in the numbers. They're saying label all cases you can as domestic violent extremism, and, and he said they're they're not. They're bad guys. We're investigating, but they're not domestic violent extremism cases. And then the more recent whistleblower that you're citing came to us and said the way they are uh, doing the January 6th investigation, making it look like there's these all these separate incidents of DVEs uh, around the country, when in fact they're all connected to, to the, Jan- the, the one event on January 6th. So, uh, and, and he said that we're, they're so focused on this that they're doing just what you described, pulling agents from child uh, trafficking cases to, to go investigate and, and pump up the numbers. So it's juicing the numbers and cooking the books is what I've said. And now we know that this whistleblower has been suspended because he's objected to some of the tactics used on on the so-called domestic violent extremists uh, uh, across the country. So um, this is real. And you couple it with some of the more recent news we got this weekend about the FBI with these going into people's uh, safe deposit boxes and misleading the judge when, when they went to get that warrant. I mean, on and on it goes. And as I've said many times on, on this show and others, we now have had over 14 whistleblowers just in our office, not counting who went to those whistleblowers who went to uh, Senator Grassley's office. So this is unprecedented. We've never seen anything like this, this number, because that's how serious this problem is. And it's one thing we're committed to, and I said this at the unveiling of the Commitment to America on Friday. It's We're committed to exposing and doing everything we can to hold people accountable who have weaponized the government against we the people. Yeah, and that is exactly what's happened. It's hard to say those words, much less uh, really comprehend them. And it's it's true, though. They they have weaponized the government against the people, particularly the people that disagree with the current uh, uh, executive leadership. Congressman Jim Jordan, thank you so much for the work you do. Thanks yeah, also Bob. for the hospitality when I saw you last week. Oh, and, uh, enjoy look it. forward to talk to you again next week. Thank you, sir. All right. Take care. Uh, there's Jim Jordan on AM 1420, The Answer. It's 9.52. We'll take our time out here. We've got time before the top of the hour if you'd like to react to anything you just heard including that media cartel bill that Cruz supports for some reason now, and I'm still struggling to figure that out. Uh, but we can get into that and uh, a whole lot more. Don't forget, John Hagan's going to talk to us about the Ohio Board of Education and the resolution introduced last week to try to bring some sort of um, sanity back to the classrooms and the schools uh, and bring the parents back into a position of authority over the, how their kids are raised. All of that coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, it's 9.57 here. So just um, just a quick follow-up on the last question, or one of the last questions I asked uh, uh, Jim Jordan about, and that is this uh, media cartel bill that was put forth by Amy Klobuchar and a bunch of liberal Democrats, which essentially um, they decided or they described as being something that would help combat misinformation online, but which that, of course, translates into censoring the viewpoints that they don't like. They call those misinformation. It would promote the censorship of conservative ideas, viewpoint statements, posts, tweets, videos, etc., etc. Um, and they did this under the guise of protecting local journalism. This directly contradicts the narrative offered by Senator Ted Cruz, who recently caved on this media cartel bill and commended the bill's sponsors. And this is something I'm having a hard time grasping. I really am. Because, like I said to Jim Jordan, I think I would go into a foxhole with Jim Jordan and Ted Cruz protecting my First Amendment rights until this moment. 
because they've been just stalwart on those things. Cruz, according to a Newsmax article on this, says that the amendment that he wrote that they added to this is a good amendment that protects against the antitrust liability being used as a shield for censorship. Strangely enough, it passed the Senate Judiciary Committee with the backing also of John Kennedy, Senator John Kennedy, the, the stalwart conservative Republican from Louisiana. And then, of course, with Amy Klobuchar. The bipartisan approval of this JCPA, which is Journalism Competition and per- Preservation Act, is a major milestone for the bill. It would require big tech and social media companies like Google and Facebook to pay for content it carries that is derived from small local independent news publishers, which is fine. But, uh, and John Kennedy said, tech goliaths like Facebook and Google are strangling smaller conservative publications by keeping them from making a profit on the online platforms. But critics say that it will indeed allow Facebook and uh, the other uh, big tech giants to censor that content, to limit its reach. Calling this a media cartel is accurate. Why would Ted Cruz, of all people, who is about as, like I said, staunch in support of the First Amendment, would fall for this? I have no idea. But we'll talk more about it if we can. We've got a lot of other things to get into after the news on AM 1420, The Answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number two underway now, 10 minutes past 10 o'clock on this Monday, the 26th morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Thank you so very much for joining us. Uh, thanks also to uh, Jim Jordan, who covered a lot of ground there, a lot of very important ground. Uh, we, we didn't spend enough time, I don't think, and, and maybe that's what you and I can do right now. I, I want to know what you would respond if you had an opportunity to sit down with somebody like a Keisha Lance Bottoms. The former mayor of Atlanta, who was just an absolutely devastatingly horrific mayor of the city of Atlanta, gets promoted, of course, because that's what Democrats do, gets promoted to senior advisor to President Joseph R. Brandon. And as senior advisor, she did an interview on MSNBC in which she she doubled down. She did what her boss did. She kept the messaging consistent. You know, the boss went to uh, Philadelphia two weeks ago and told the entire country that half of the country was evil. Half of the country, the MAGA Republican part, part of the country, they were enemies of the state, domestic terrorists, threats to democracy. Over and over and over again, he said it. Then the next day, if you recall this in an interview, or excuse me, in a press conference, uh, Peter Ducey asked him, uh, you know, if he really believes 81 million uh, Republicans are, are uh, enemies of the state. And I never said anybody's in it. Yes, you did. Then the day after that, he did another rally-type event, and he repeated it. 
So, you know, you and I are the enemy. You and I are enemies of the state because we disagree with the uh, policies and the performance of Joseph R. Biden. Now, here comes his, pre- uh, not press secretary, his senior advisor, Keisha Lance Bottoms, essentially saying the exact same thing. That the MAGA Republican agenda is a very dangerous agenda. That the MAGA Republican agenda is intended to disrupt our democracy. Whether it be through November and beyond November, she said, this is a quote, I think it will be important to call out any effort there is to destroy, essentially destroy, the United States of America. President Biden has been very clear he wants to work in a bipartisan effort. (laughs) Yeah, that's been very clear. He's completely on board with listening to conservative mega ideas that he just called a threat to our democracy. That's bipartisanship, boy. Nothing says bipartisanship quite like telling half of the country, the half that didn't support him, uh, and maybe more, if we're being honest, uh, that they're enemies of the state. She said he has worked in a bipartisan effort. He's been able to get things done on behalf of our country. He needs, just to be clear here, he needs every single Democrat senator to go along with him because every single Republican senator, in almost every case, has been opposed to him. And they get the 50-50 tie, and then they get the vote by uh, Kamala Harris, the tiebreaker, because that's the way it works. That's not bipartisanship. Number one. Number two, what has he gotten done for the country? What has he gotten done? Every single metric is worse. Every economic metric, every inflationary metric, it's all worse since Joe Biden took office. He's not getting things done, but she continued to say, quote, but when you have a MAGA Republican agenda that has no respect for the Constitution, that has no respect for free and fair elections, then it is important for all of us, not just the president, not just me, but for all of us to call it out for what it is, a danger to our democracy, a danger to our way of life. So I just want to hit this for a second, then I'll go to your phone calls, 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. I just want to hit this super quick. It's bad enough to be called names and to be described as being evil and blah, 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 blah. And rhetoric is rhetoric, and sometimes it's used, sometimes it's intended, sometimes it's not. But, but it's, it's bad enough when, when that type of rhetoric is used. It's even worse when the projection gets as blatant and flagrant as it is because they are literally calling you the exact thing that they themselves are. They're, they're claiming that you support the things that they support. They're claiming that you are the one that is doing exactly what they are doing, such as, for example, having no respect for the Constitution. They're trying to tell you that there was a constitutional right to abortion and that it's been violated now. And, of course, abortion has never, ever, ever been included in the language of the Constitution. Ever. Same thing with same-sex marriage. Marriage has never been written in the Constitution. Not a word about marriage was in the Constitution until the Supreme Court and John Roberts wrote it in and essentially added it in to declare same-sex marriage constitutional. It was never, ever something in the Constitution. Republicans simply want to return to constitutional originalism, and they call that... No respect for the Constitution. They are changing the Constitution on their whims. 
She said they have no respect for free and fair elections. Again, there's a 10-minute clip, 10 solid minutes of the most prominent Democrats in America that's available right now on the RNC Research Twitter feed. A 10-second clip of, of every prominent Democrat talking about how the election in 2016 was stolen. Talking about how the election in Atlanta, in Georgia for governor was stolen from Stacey Abrams by Brian Kemp. They, she did not concede. She would not concede. Same thing with Hillary Clinton. They challenged the electors. They tried to do everything that was done in 2020 and 2016. And, huh, what? What? What are you, what are you talking about? You're crazy. But we're the ones who don't have any uh, respect for free and fair elections. So it, it's, it's one thing, again, to have them be just as completely blinded by their ideology and by their intention. And, you know, it, again, I just I hate to keep repeating it, but here it is. To destroy the country, it's their projection by telling us we're the ones trying to destroy the country. If you try to take a capitalist republic and turn it into a Marxist um, system of government and of economics, if you try first socialism and then taking it all the way up to the level of Marxism, you are literally, by definition, trying to destroy the country. We are trying to retain the country, not destroy it, retain the capitalist republic that was gifted to us and that has been fought and defended for 250 years. That's the the idea that we're the ones trying to destroy the country, we're the ones trying to disrupt democracy. And again, I really wish that some of these people would just take one course on civics or on government or something and learn what a democracy is and compare it to what a republic is. We are not a democracy. We are a representative republic. There is a big difference. A very big difference. And all they can scream is threat to democracy, threat to democracy, threat to democracy. We are not a democracy. Democracies tend to lend themselves toward dictatorships eventually, which is why they continue to try to invent a reality that doesn't exist, that the United States was founded not as a republic, but as a democracy. Because it gives them the opportunity to then wield much, much, much more power over this, the uh, the uh, serfs, if you will. That's you and me. But they won't even acknowledge these things as they continue to project their own hatred and project their own failings on Republicans. Okay, rant over. Let's go to the phones. We're going to go to Middleburg Heights. We're going to say hello to Ron on AM 1420, The Answer. Ron, go right ahead. Hello, Bob. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. And I think... I think that instability the Democrats are causing uh, leads to more control because they could do emergency measures. And right now, as we speak, the European markets are tanking. Uh, the U.S. dollar has been so strong that it's that it's impacting the the European market, and and they're absolutely tanking. So when the Democrats spend two trillion dollars, that was totally inflationary while at the same time raising interest rates they really messed up our economy which creates all sorts of instability throughout the world and right now it seems like powell can't raise interest rates because the dollar will get stronger and then completely destroy the european economy which could have implications for the war uh we wouldn't have the resolve from nato to to stand strong and really that war needs to end because it's it's 
it's potentially just destabilizing all of NATO. Well, yeah, it is, and uh, you I, you lost me a little bit when you said Powell can't raise the rates. They just did another three-quarter point. Exactly. He's raising the rates so high the dollar is getting stronger, and I don't realize, I don't believe he knows the destruction he's doing. That That's the problem, Bob, that he's raising the rates, and the dollar is so strong that it's completely messing up the European economy, and the British pound has never been weaker, and... The markets over there, as we speak, are crashing. And you know they, they know rocking a hard place. They know full well what they're doing too. Uh, that uh, you know what they're doing is going to cause great pain for Americans. As a matter of fact, there's several quotes out there from Powell and others, uh, uh, including Moody's, who are out there saying the economy is going to be, uh, you know, the recession that we're in is going to is going to last for a little while, and that for a, a large uh, percentage of Americans, it is going to be very very uncomfortable. There's going to be a lot of great pain in the, in the next 12 months in order to have less pain in the two to three years that follow that. So, um, at least on the American public, I mean, I understand what you're talking about destabilizing the European markets as well, which, of course, is just as dangerous, particularly when it comes to, as you say, the war uh, and others. But, uh, but they know full well that raising the rates what they're, that they have to right now to combat inflation is going to extend this recession and it's going to harm Americans. We're all going to be in, in a lot more pain over the course of the next, as they say, 12 months in order to start seeing some relief after that. And they're shooting themselves in the foot, Bob, because they're raising rates to control inflation at the same time they're way spending in, in excess, which creates inflation. So it's, it's, exactly. it's, a, it's a vicious circle. It's a vicious circle, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And that's uh, and thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Um, this is, um, well, let me go. I'm, I don't want to play a clip here. I, I've, I've got a clip from, uh, uh, from uh, uh, Moody's. Uh, in which they talk about the pain that we are all going to have to experience again over the course of the what he called it what would be a doozy a very very long year for most Americans but I'll come back to that I want to stay on the phones we'll go to uh who's navy man norm is next on AM 1420 the answer hey norm go ahead good morning bob you know there's an old saying about everybody has a right to be stupid but the democrats abuse abuse that privilege but i wanted to talk about <clears throat> was another Garland Schutzstaffel stormtrooper FBI raid this weekend on a pro-life advocate's home in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. A gentleman named Mark Hauk, a pro-life advocate, yep. who uh, protests at the uh, planned Holocaust hood abortuaries six to eight hours every Wednesday, and he's the uh, director of a group called the Kingsmen. Uh, people that men that are trying to get men that are homeless and down on their luck back to back up to speed. Well, I guess about a year ago in 2021, uh, his son, 12 years old, was being harassed and called all kinds of filthy names by one of the pro-life thugs. Or pro, I'm sorry, pro-abortion pro thugs. Yeah, pro-death thugs. Right. Yeah, he pro, was there on yeah, behalf of the, the, his father and, and the but, woman. Right. And and the father, uh, Mark told this guy, stay away from my son. You don't have my permission to talk to him. Just stay away from him. And this guy proceeded to call him the usual string of Democrat uh, epithets. And eventually, after weeks of this, Mark got fed up, and he shoved the guy. He shoved him. He pushed him. The guy did not fall down. Well, this guy sued him in court, and it was thrown out. Now, this was a year ago. Well, I guess over Saturday morning, at 7 o'clock in the morning, 30 30 of the FBI's finest stormtroopers, 
stormed this house in 15 carloads, 15 carloads, Bob, of 30 of these FBI ghouls, stormed his house in front of his seven-year-old or seven, seven children and arrested him under this law about uh, stopping people that are abortion guides or these abortuaries, and they're charging him with a felony. Now, this is amazing to me because in the five months preceding this, we've had no less than 100 firebombings, shootings, and vandalism of Catholic and evangelical churches and uh, pregnancy centers, and yet the FBI, the FBI that protects us, has been unable to find a single perpetrator from Antifa or this pro-abortion group called Jane's Revenge. But yet, they can send 30 armed FBI stormtroopers with AR-15s to this man's house and arrest him. So if you're pro-life, be on guard, because they're going to come after you. In front, in front of his seven you. children, too. Just at, you in know, front of his seven Early in the morning, 7 o'clock in the morning, too. You have to do it like that. You know, they, you know, And with a guy like this, they could have placed a phone call. To him and said, uh, "This is this is uh, you know Agent Smith with the FBI. We need to discuss a few things with you about your, uh, uh, you know, about your your run in with the uh, the the counter protester, if you will. So uh, we need you to report here, or there, or we and need they, to arrange a, arrange a way to pick you up. And and you know what he would have done? He'd have turned himself in and said, Absolutely, what do you need?' Uh, and, and if they want to charge him, they can charge him. But 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 the reality is they didn't want to do that. They wanted to show a force because they're trying not to intimidate him. They're ty- trying to intimidate everybody like him. Millions of right. Americans, if you cross us and our agenda, we're the DOJ, the FBI, and soon enough the IRS are all coming for you. This is a lesson. This is a message that was sent. It wasn't even about taking him into custody. It was a much, much bigger picture than that. Exactly. And I'm sure Garland and Biden will have their uh, Battle Ribbons Award ceremony for those 30 brave FBI heroes who took the time to raid that house and point rifles at him, his wife. In fact, his wife asked them for the warrants and they told her, we don't have to show it to you. And then she demanded it. And then finally they, they showed it to her. Yeah, well, you know, the, the reality, and thank you for the call, Norm, I appreciate it. Uh, the, the FBI, by the way, is denying all of that. The, the FBI is denying. They said they went there with a few agents, they knocked on the door, they asked, told him they had to come, he had to come with them, and that he came, and that it was peaceful, and that there, none of those things that are being alleged happened. So, obviously, we have to hope that there is, uh, you know, video cameras, that there is a ring doorbell, that there is something that tells the truth, but the FBI is denying it ever, it ever happened. Uh, I give them no benefit of the doubt whatsoever. All right, let's take a time out now, 1027. We'll go to the news, and on the other side of the news, John Hagan will join us. Ohio Board of Education. We're going to pick up something that was very important last week, and it's very important going forward as well, a resolution to protect kids and parents in the schools. That's next, AM 1420, The Answer. Thirty-seven. Now we roll onward on this Monday. Thanks for being with us. We'll go back to phone calls in a bit. 
216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. A lot of important discussions happening there as well. But this was a big and very important discussion that we had going on uh, Friday. And we had to cut it short because uh, the time ran out on us. And so I asked the caller who called in unprompted. I, I would have scheduled him as a guest had I known he had something to say. But he called in unprompted to clarify something about a vote that was upcoming <clears throat> in the Ohio Board of Education. And um, John Hagan uh, wanted to make sure everybody knew that there wasn't a delay in the vote. This is the standard operating procedure for the way things are done on a resolution like the one that has been presented by Brendan Shea. But uh, after clarifying that, we started talking about the merits of the resolution and the importance of the resolution uh, in order to bring parental rights, if you will, back to the forefront of education to uh, remind everybody that parents are supposed to raise the kids, teachers are supposed to teach the kids, and not overtly sexualize the kids, which is sadly something that is going on not just in Ohio, but all over the country. Well, John Hagan speaks from a position of authority here, or of authority here, because he is also a member of the Ohio Board of Education, as is Brendan Shea, and he was kind enough to come back on and talk a little bit more about this now that we are not slaves to the clock. John Hagan, thank you so much for calling back this morning. How are you, sir? I, I am well, Bob, and thank you for having me. Uh, I certainly think that this is an important issue that uh, people need to be engaged in, and you know, it's for the sake of the children, but it's for the sake of our country uh, that we don't have these crazy notions uh, running uh, without any check. Uh, you know, gender identity is the center of this controversy, and as you know, gender identity is a manufactured concept. Uh, this is this is about as real as any cartoon or uh, any mythical character. Uh, and the idea that the federal government picks up on a concept like gender identity and tries to run forward with that and force it down the throats of the public is beyond ridiculous. Well, John, you're, uh, you're exactly right. Um, and, and what I want to get into here <clears throat> about Brendan Shea's bill is I'd like to get your response to some of the critics that spoke out against that bill last week uh, when this when this uh, testimony was was given and this opportunity for public comment was given. Um, I was told by Lisa Woods, who was on that board before, uh, she was monitoring it very closely on the Ohio News Channel, that we were getting slaughtered in terms of the numbers. That only about ten or eleven. I think you confirmed this on our phone call last uh, on Friday, John. So we don't have to rehash the numbers again, but I, th- I think it was confirmed that there were around 11, 12, 13 or something like that <clears throat> individuals who spoke That's in support, in, who spoke in support of, uh, of uh, the, the resolution by Shea, but three, four dozen uh, who spoke out against it very passionately. And their overarching argument, as I understand it, is that this is discriminatory. If you do not, if you do not rewrite Title IX and accept Title IX, with the changes that include gender identity along with girls, which was the original intent of Title IX to protect girls and women, um, that if you don't include gender identity, then you are by definition discriminating against those with different gender identities. That's their argument, and they're saying that the entire resolution is bigoted on that basis, that it uh, that it's intending not to help people but to harm little LGBTQ kids. Yeah, and, and that's a very hollow argument, isn't it? Uh, and, and if you look at the uh, bullying that goes on here, uh, when the Department of Agriculture weighs in 
and says, we're going to take the food out of your children's mouths if you won't comply with these made-up ideas. Uh, that's where the bullying is coming from. Uh, as far as the testimony, I will say this, that for the limited number of positive testimonies for Brendan's resolution, uh, the quality was uh, no comparison. They, they were so much real, more realistic because they're telling the truth. And the other opposite side is not telling the truth. Uh, they have to rely on their made-up facts, uh, and that, that makes it impossible to make a good case. Uh, one of the things that I found interesting was that the volume of those delivering those testimonies in the anti-side, uh, probably for about half of them, was cranked way up. Uh, they were speaking very loudly, which, of course, as we all know as, as a human trait, uh, people that are lying oftentimes speak loud uh, so that they can uh, force their idea on someone. And uh, I've always realized, as we all do, that uh, just because you're saying it loudly or saying it a lot doesn't make it true. Right. Yeah, the louder I get, the more right I become, is, is the way some people do it. And I'm a loud guy, by the way. I speak loudly and I speak forcefully, but I but I, I like to believe that the substance I am speaking very loudly is what is going to win people over, not just the volume. Um, so, John, when you talk about bullying, uh, and, and, and you just brought up a great point about it, I want to talk about kids. Um, nobody is more bullied in schools these days than kids who just believe in the science that they have always been taught, uh, in, in grammar that they have been taught, in parts of speech that he and him and she and her are, uh, you know, singular p- pronouns. Uh, plural pronouns like they and their would only belong to a group, not to an individual. And when these kids refuse to go along, and say words that are non-existent, and say words, you know, that people create their own little uh, pronouns, uh, and are forced to use words that are non-existent, when they're forced to use words incorrectly, when they're forced to recognize something that is biologically not correct, um, you know, that, that uh, you know, biological males are, are, are identified not just chromosomally, but anatomically and so forth. Um, when these kids don't go along with it, they're the ones that are bullied. They're the ones who who are suspended they're the ones who are punished they're the ones whose records are are in in jeopardy of being tarnished same thing with teachers if teachers who understand science even better than the kids do uh you know refuse to call a little girl a boy or to call a little boy a puppy and that's that by the way is not just made up that's happening too the interspecies identity is happening now, and if you codify, or not codify, if you allow for and accept, you know, gender identity and expression being whatever you want it to be, then you have to accept that all the way through to those things. Um, John, those people are the ones paying the price. They're being bullied. Kids are being bullied. Staffers are being bullied. Staffers are being fired and terminated and suspended if they won't call the kid, if they misgender a kid, or if they uh, say the name uh, a different name than what the kid wants to be called. All of these things are the where the real bullying is happening, isn't it? But that that's true, and and I think that one of the rays of hope here is that you see from time to time a uh, lawsuit by some of those teachers that get fired or get ostracized uh, against the school district for not protecting their rights as a human being to believe what they believe and so on. 
the idea that uh, people have to comply with calling someone whatever they want to be called is ridiculous. Uh, and I, in the in the picture of bullying, I have to think that this uh, is relevant to talk about. You know, if I uh, cut my hair in a very peculiar way, if I uh, put my body covered with tattoos and piercings and color my hair all kind of bizarre ways and wear clothes that are totally out of the norm, it would be normal for people to notice me, right, at that point, because that would seem to be the objective, right? Yeah, uh, that's the intention. The intention is to look different than other people so people will notice you. And, and then once they're noticed, if someone mentions that they think something's different about them, uh, in our current society, that's considered bullying. Bingo. Uh, I find that ridiculous. Uh, I think that if you're if you're concerned about bullying, uh, try not to make yourself stand out as a target for bullies. Uh, try to uh, live a normal life like other people, and I think you'll find that uh, that doesn't happen. But also, I think that uh, we have a very lopsided scale, as you pointed out as to what is considered bullying and what is not considered bullying. And it's based on a bias that uh, some things need to be okay and, and other things don't. And, uh, you know, bullying, uh, I, you know, I saw this coming way down the road and was the legislature, uh, they brought in uh, one of the people from Peter, Paul, and Mary that was promoting, you know, this anti-bullying initiative, et cetera. But the reality is this whole thing about bullying uh, for the drivers of that issue uh, was getting us to where we are today with this bizarre concept of sex, et cetera. And uh, the, the point I'll continue to make here is you know, X and Y, X and X, that determines sex. Uh, nothing about gender identity is sex. That's strictly a concept that's made up. And I just want to say that, uh, you know, I really commend Brendan Shea. You know, this young man with six children uh, in a business uh, to run has made such an effort here and is doing you know, such good work on the, on the board that I really just have to thank him for that effort. Another point that I, I definitely want to get in in today's show, and that is that, you know, in the initial introduction of this resolution, four members came out and made a joint statement against it. Uh, those members are Johnson, Miranda, Collins, and Newman. Uh, they affirm their support for all of this, uh, what I consider craziness. Um, and, you know, that's their business. They can do that. But looking at the board as it stands, you know, we have 11 elected members. Four of those elected members came out against this. The uh, bullying, you know, affects board members. Uh, they don't like that heat. So if they get a lot of pressure, uh, some of the people aren't going to vote for this because they don't want to take the heat from these fringe groups that come out and, and uh, protest and so on. Right. But with, with all members present, it takes 10 votes to pass a resolution. And eight of those votes are governor appointees uh, 
one of those appointees we know is supportive of this resolution. So unless we have uh, support from the governor appointees, which currently there are eight for the at-large seat, and there's one that was appointed to replace Sarah Fowler when she went to the legislature. Uh, that person, I don't believe, supports this. Uh, so, you know, here we have a situation where this vote, whether it goes up or down, will depend on members who were appointed by Republican governors. So let me ask you this as a follow-up to that. If you just turned on the radio, it's John Hagan with us. John Hagan is a member of the Ohio Board of Education. He's been in the legislature, as you know, in many other positions. John, would it be appropriate for the governor who appointed these people to weigh in and and to let them know where he stands on this. Now, obviously, he didn't put them there to just be, you know, proxy votes for him. He's, I'm not suggesting he say, hey, this is what I demand you to do. I pointed you to that position. But he ought to be able to express an opinion on this. And if it has an impact, perhaps, on the appointees, I think that would be appropriate. Or am I off base? No, I, I agree that, uh, you know, here we have the elected leader of our state. Um, he should be involved in these kind of things. He should be. He should have an opinion. He should make that opinion public. And he should be looking at all of these aspects of how things go down in education that affect children and affect families. Now, when you look at this resolution, it is working to stop the federal government from telling teachers and staff at schools not to discuss with parents if a student comes in and says, I want you to call me something that is different than my uh, true gender my sex. I want you to call me something else. Uh, I want to wear a different clothes in school, but I don't want you to mention it to my parents. And, you know, parents should have all the information about their children. They, there's nothing should be shielded from parents' uh, view. And that by itself should be something that this governor should be speaking out on. Do you have any... Um insight into the governor's plans here do you think or is he just going to remain silent because he's so close to his re-election on november 8th uh, any idea as to whether he may speak on this well unfortunately looking at it from a political standpoint if this were happening in the primary season i think he would be involved i will be surprised and pleasantly so if he steps out and supports uh, a resolution like this in the general election. But yeah, I, that's yet to be seen. I agree with you. Um, I would be pleasantly surprised by that as well. I have not been pleasantly surprised by very much of anything that Mike DeWine has done, quite frankly, uh, as governor of the state of Ohio. Uh, his well, decisions I, I will were always, catastrophic. I will always give him credit for signing the heartbeat bill. Okay. Uh, agreed. And, agreed. Yeah, that is monumental. Uh, it doesn't make everything else okay. No. But it certainly is something that uh, I have a place in my heart for him over that. Yeah, in fairness, uh, you know, the, if fairness dictates that you give credit where credit is due, and I, and I agree. I give him credit for that. Um, yeah. So much else, uh, not so much. Um, I think he's been a horrific leader, and I think his uh, actions during COVID were reprehensible and indefensible and almost borderline criminal. But having said all of that, 
Yeah, well, I'm glad to hear that because <laughs> I respect your opinion. So, John Hagan, uh, uh, last last thing here uh, about this, um, you know, you you referenced it in your second second to last comments, um, the parents' role in all of this. Um, what do you think parents can do? Um, I know I know they could have come and testified, and again, they were outnumbered, or those who did come were outnumbered. But what can parents who maybe aren't speakers, who aren't the kind of people who can come and and uh, you know come down to Columbus, or maybe they don't have the time or ability to come down and make their voices heard in support of this? But parents who want to say in what their kids are being taught, what is being allowed, what is being forced upon them in schools, particularly girls, whether or not they are being forced into shower rooms with boys, and all of these things that are potential. Uh, outcomes of this, what can parents who can't be there to do that do to try to sway board members and to try to, um, you know, restore a little bit of sanity to this? Well, I think one, reach out to their board member in this current circumstance. Okay, but the other thing I always always want to point out here is we are a home rule state when it comes to education. Mm-hmm. So parents need to be fully engaged with their local boards, with their local schools, with their teachers, knowing what's happening in their school and making sure that what happens in their school matches with the way they think their children need to be taught and raised. And if they're not doing that, then they need to look for alternatives. And, of course, the dollar signs come into play there, too, because state funding for each of the individual districts, could be, you know, at risk if they don't follow what the state's order is here. The State Department of Education decides here by home rule. Uh, you know, they could be at risk. And then, as you pointed out in the very beginning, the feds are saying if Ohio doesn't comply and go along with this, that they're going to withhold funding for, uh, you know, nutrition's, nutrition for uh, students uh, who are, uh, you know, impoverished and in, in having reduced or free lunches and breakfasts and so forth. So, you know, they're threatening to withhold funds to feed kids to get this thing passed in every state. You can imagine what the state would then do if some individual school districts buck their ruling, um, you know, if they if they defeat this resolution. And, and further, I just want to say this. For other members of our board, please understand that this does not mandate that the schools do anything. What it does is say, this is where your Board of Education stands. This is what we believe. And so, you know, if if they believe that parents should have say about their children's education and about these gender issues, they need to vote for this. They need to support this. And when people say, well, you're, you're putting your will on the uh, local school district, that's not true. What we're doing is saying, this is what we would like to see you do. We realize that you have the choice of doing what you want in your district. Right. And sadly, I don't trust any of those districts, to be quite honest with you. I just don't. Look at what happened in Hilliard. We were talking about the, and that's when you called us, called me last week, because yeah. you heard Jack and I talking about, you know, these the teachers' associations, the teachers' unions are so radical. They're the ones pushing all of this pushing all of it and nobody will stand up to the teachers unions and perhaps that's a subject for another show but that's uh that's the reality of it uh, these teachers unions uh, you know hold so much sway and so many school boards are afraid to do anything uh that counters what the teachers are pushing so well uh, and one of the one of the good news pieces on the union i'll tell you this that there are many districts in ohio that the majority of teachers don't belong to the teachers union and, and the reason they don't belong is because they don't believe in the things that the union supports. 
in, well, in Ohio, they have that right. They're not forced anymore uh, to be part of a union if there's a union existing in that school. And that is a good thing. I agree with you wholeheartedly, John, but obviously there's not enough of them because the votes, you know, when the union votes, the, you know, the, the policies pass, and that's essentially... And, and you know what happens is these non-union teachers... They end up being bullied. There's that word again, just like the kids that we were talking about before. If they don't go along with what the uh, uh, the narrative and the agenda here is, which is, which is radical gender theory. Um, John Higgin, member of the Ohio Board of Education. John, keep up the good work. I appreciate you filling us in on everything, and thanks so much for the support for Brendan Shea's resolution. Um, we'll follow this to the finish and uh, hopefully talk to you again. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. That's John Hagan. It's 1058. The rest of the show is yours. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Mom, Dad, Grandma, Grandpa, what do you want to see happen in your schools? Do you want to say what your kids do, or are you happy dropping them off and say whatever happens, happens? We'll get into that again next. AM 1420, The Answer. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and Keeping Medicare Simple. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. is Always Right Radio with Bob Friends on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three now underway at seven minutes past 11 o'clock. Good morning. Thanks for being with us still on this Monday, the 26th morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord 2022. We are less than 50 days away from the determination of the future of this nation. And we're going to fight every single one of those days. Every single step of the way, we are going to fight. I want to follow up. Um, <clears throat> and by the way, just free the rest of the show. So you want to get in line? This is the time to get in line right now. 216-901-0945. 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers brings you right to me. And we'll talk about all these issues together. I do have one question. I'll throw this out here before I go back to the uh, end of the uh, conversation with John Hagan and give you a little bit more detail on that. Uh, the question I'm going to ask you to answer this hour, if you are so inclined, is which is your issue? I don't want you to be a single-issue voter. I don't think anybody should be a single-issue voter. Some people are. I- I'm not. I don't, I don't, I think it's wise to consider all things. No, no one issue, or let me rephrase. No one party is going to get every single thing right that you want. No one is. So to me, it would be, it would be responsible to say which 
of the parties and which of the candidates that I'm looking at get most of the boxes checked for me. Does that make sense? Rather than this one issue. If I can get nine out of ten, and even if the one that I want is real, that you know that it, that isn't being checked, isn't you know is really one that's important to me, um, I I still have to make my mind up. Do I want to go with and get nine nine things that I like out of ten, or do I want to hold out for that one and and vote for somebody who has no business winning and who has no in no no possibility of winning, um, and isn't going to do any good for me on the other issues that are important. So, don't be a single issue voter. But having said that, all of these polls that we keep seeing. What is the most important issue to you in this election? Is it abortion? Is it crime? Is it inflation? Is it education? Is it your kid's schooling? You know, everybody has a different answer to that as far as, you know, which is the most important issue in the upcoming uh, um, midterms. So I kind of want to do that poll myself. And not legitimately, I'm not going to get a 1,000 people the way they do in the big polling services, but... I'm kind of curious as to which of those is most important to you. When I did the poll earlier on showing the Washington, I mean, uh, ABC News Washington Post poll showing that Biden has slipped under 40% again, that little short-lived bounce that he somehow got uh, is gone already. And therefore, probably so are the chances for the Democrats. But uh, in that poll, um, they, they drilled down specifically on issues, too. And over 10 points, 10-point margins... Republicans, or excuse me, the respondents of the poll trusted Republicans better on crime, trusted Republicans more on the uh, issue of inflation, and trusted Republicans more on the overall economy. Those are all very important issues. All of them ranked higher on the importance list for the people in that survey than abortion did. So when you add education, since that's one of them, Add education to energy, to inflation, to uh, the border. I haven't even talked about illegal immigration. I just spent the entire week last week talking illegal, illegal immigration. Two of the shows live from D.C. When you think about illegal immigration and national security, when you think about foreign relations, when you think about China, when you think about health policy and being forced to do things against your will, because of a quote-unquote national health emergency. And when you think about the things that I just mentioned, inflation, economy, crime, abortion, and so on and so forth, which are the most important issues to you? Which is the one, if I had to pin you down, and this is hard to do? Because I don't know if I could. I might not be able to do what I'm asking you to do. Because I could make a very effective argument that each and every one of these, how about First Amendment rights, your right to be heard? How about keeping your guns? All of these are on the ballot in November, all of them. Which one is the deal breaker for you? Which one is the number one most important issue? Because that's what they're asking in all the big polling services, so that's what I want to ask you. Pick one. Tell me why. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. So before I do that, um, I want to follow up on what I did with John Hagan here. And the bill that he and I are discussing... <clears throat> we're discussing was written by Brendan Shea and offered and introduced by Brendan Shea on this Ohio Board of Education. And I, I want to give you some of the language because this is what probably it looks like from what I'm being told four to one um, public testimony that was offered at the school board, the Ohio Board of Education meeting last week was against this this legislation or this resolution four to one. There were roughly a dozen people there speaking in support of this. 
and uh, I'm told, you know, 42 to 45 to 48, so it's almost 4 to 1, people spoke out against it. I want you to hear what they're speaking out against. I want you to understand where radical, what radicalism really looks like. Because how can you describe anybody who opposes the following as anything other than radical, anything other than extreme? The resolution to support parents, schools, and districts in rejecting harmful, coercive, and burdensome gender identity policies. That's what this is headlined. This is the title of the resolution introduced by Brendan Shea. Biological sex is one objective. Excuse me, let me do this again. The concept of education rests on the notion that there are things that we can know. There are objective facts and even objective truths. Biological sex is one such objective scientific fact. A human male has an X and a Y chromosome and a reproductive system ordered toward impregnation. A human female has two X chromosomes and a reproductive system ordered toward conceiving and bearing children. Sex is not arbitrarily assigned at birth, but rather identifies an unchangeable fact. There are observable, quantifiable, and immutable differences between males and females. The reality of biological sex can no more be altered than can the reality of 2 plus 2 equals 4, end quote. Now, I'm going to stop there and just kind of, you know, I like to sometimes give examples. When he says correctly, scientifically, that the reality of biological sex cannot be altered, that these are unchangeable facts, um, here's my example. I've given it before. Apologies for the redundancy if you've heard it. But if I take a dog and surgically remove all four of its legs and surgically attach fins, do we have to call it a fish? Is it now a fish because it's been surgically altered to be something different than what it was? Or is it still a dog, a, gen- or a surgically mutilated dog? Because that's the exact same thing that happens when these kids are being told, hey, you can become whatever you want. We can block your puberty, uh, block your hormones from developing. We can surgically remove parts of your body, surgically implant or attach other things to your body, and you'll be a girl or a boy or whatever. No, they will be what they always were, but genetically, or not genetically, beg your pardon, surgically altered, surgically mutilated. So Brendan Chase's resolution continues. The State Board of Education hereby adopts the following resolution. No person in the United States shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefit of, or be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. This is what Title IX says. Whereas original and existing Title IX regulations acknowledge physiological differences between male and female sexes. Whereas the U.S. Department of Education released proposed changes to Title IX regulations that would contradict the plain language of the law, And whereas proposed regulations would prohibit schools that receive federal funds, including public charter, private, and including public charter, private, and parochial schools, from adopting a policy or engaging in a practice that prevents a person from participating in an education program or activity consistent with their gender identity, thereby compelling schools to deny biological reality. 
And whereas under the proposed rules, actions such as a student or staff member using a child's legal name and biological pronouns, rather than child-selected preferred names and pronouns, could be deemed a form of sex-based harassment, subjecting school and staff to civil litigation and the loss of federal funds. And whereas the proposed regulations would require that K-12 schools socially transition minor children to a different gender without requiring parental notification or involvement. And whereas Ohio law and the United States Constitution and legal precedent recognize the right of parents to direct the education, upbringing, and physical and mental health of their children. And whereas for many parents, the nature of the human person created by God, male and female, is a deeply held religious belief. And whereas children are harmed when parents are barred from making decisions to protect their child's physical, mental, and spiritual well-being. And whereas a high percentage of children who are permitted to socially transition will then pursue medical and surgical interventions which will have irreversible, life-altering consequences for school-aged children, interrupt a child's healthy growth and development, and come with significant risks, including loss of bone density, infertility, cognitive impairment, dangerous blood clots, cardiovascular disease, cancer, and more. And whereas under the proposed rules, schools would be required to grant access to sex-separate restroom and locker room facilities based on gender identity rather than on biological sex, which would place girls and women at increased risk for harassment and sex assault by males who claim a female identity. And whereas the U.S. Department of Education proposed regulations pertaining to athletics would require sports teams to be based on gender rather than biological sex, forcing women and girls to compete on an unfair basis against males for athletic opportunities and scholarships. And whereas in guidance issued May 5th, 2022, and in a rule promulgated, On June 14, 2022, the U.S. Department of Agriculture announced it will interpret the prohibition on sex discrimination found in Title IX and the Food and Nutrition Act of 2008 to include discrimination based on gender identity. And whereas 100,000 Ohio public schools, nonprofit private schools, and residential childcare institutions would now be forced to choose between adopting gender identity policies or foregoing federal funds to provide subsidized free or reduced price meals to more than 516,000 Ohio kids. I could stop there. I could have stopped at any one of these, and you'd say, well, of course, to oppose any of this would be radical. Because it's all common sense, science, biological-based, and reasonable. What's not reasonable is to subject 516,000 Ohio kids to hunger because the schools won't agree to put boys and girls in showers together. Whereas the board acknowledges the pain experienced by those suffering with gender dysphoria, and whereas the appropriate course of action to pursue for students experiencing symptoms of gender dysphoria is treatment delivered by parent-selected mental health professionals. And there's the line that they hate so much, by the way. When you say, when I say, when we say, when people of reason and common sense and some education say, that gender dysphoria is something that should be treated in the mind, not by ripping apart the body, that's when they get mad. 
How dare you say that I'm crazy? How dare you say that I am mentally imbalanced because I know I'm in the wrong body or I'm the wrong spirit or I'm the wrong species? How dare you say that I need mental, psychological treatment? What I need is for you to cut off my junk and let me be what I think I am. Resolved by the State Board of Education, or excuse me, that the State Board of Education declares its unequivocal opposition to the proposed regulatory changes by the U.S. Department of Education, and be it further resolved that the board supports the lawsuit filed by the Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost and 21 other state attorneys general seeking to invalidate the newly enacted Department of Agriculture rules that continued receipt uh, of federal nutritional assistance and other funding subject to the Title IX to Title IX, to the adoption of gender identity policies, and be it further resolved that the State Board of Education directs the acting superintendent of public infrastructure to issue within 14 calendar days of the passage of this resolution a letter subject to the approval of the president of the board to every Ohio school district and every Ohio school or institution receiving federal funds, indicating that the Ohio Department of Education opposes the proposed regulatory changes, considers the applicable USDOE guidance documents as without legal force and effect, and therefore non-binding and unenforceable at this time, and therefore urges districts not to amend local policies or procedures based on these guidance documents. And be it further resolved that the board calls upon the General Assembly to assist local districts in combating this federal overreach, by proactively approving stopgap funding of necessary programs should the proposed regulations take effect. And be it further resolved that the board calls on the General Assembly to safeguard the rights of parents and the well-being of children by requiring schools and districts to disclose information to parents whenever, uh, whenever the child claims a discordant gender identity, questions their gender identity, requests alternative names or pronouns, or otherwise includes mental, or indicates rather, mental and emotional distress about their identity. And be it further resolved that the board calls upon the General Assembly to protect the rights and safety of women and girls by prohibiting schools and districts from allowing biological males on female sports teams or in female privacy facilities. And finally, be it resolved that with this action, the State Board of Education stands resolutely with parents, schools, and districts in rejecting harmful or coercive and burdensome gender identity policies, procedures, and regulations. And that's Can it. you dig it? Every bit of it. I apologize for the length. It isn't that long, actually, as resolutions go. But when you read the entire thing on live radio, it can seem to be a little bit of a handful. But I wanted you to hear every word of it so that you know exactly what you need to do. And that is talk to your Ohio Board of Education member in your district. Talk to your local Board of Education members. And tell them you absolutely support Brendan Shea's resolution. It's reasonable, it's commonsensical, it's biological, it's scientific, and it's right. Do not allow them to do this to your kids. Do not allow them to do this to our kids, to the future. 1124, Always Right Radio is right back after this.
Always Right Radio. Two plus two don't equal transgender. It equals four. The answer. Ain't but two genders. Two genders. Ain't nothing but men and women. Preach it, Pastor Mark. Get back to the phones. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Joanne is calling from Twinsburg. Hi, Joanne. Go ahead. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Um, I don't know if you caught Steve Hilton last night. I did not. But he had a, he had a woman on from a group called Gays Against Groomers. Oh, yeah. I know who they are. Yeah. She, I mean, she was very articulate. She was awesome, actually. And she was talking about how now they have trans people who are now starting trans against groomers. And these people, what they're saying is, is do what you want, but do it when you're an adult. You know, stay away from the kids, leave them alone. I was just looking at their website. I mean, you know, Days Against Groomers, are, uh, you know, opposes sexualization and indoctrination of children. This includes drag queen story hours, drag shows involving children, transitioning and medicalization of minors. And did you I see mean, what did you see what happened to that Gays Against Groomers group? No. They got canceled. They got shut down oh, by yeah, um, yeah, PayPal say, yeah. and yeah, all yeah. the all the places that they yeah. you know they do their transactions and money through and so forth have canceled them and said, Nope, we won't do business with you because I mean I'm you just thinking to... she might be somebody interesting to get a hold of. She, oh yeah, no you know, doubt. Pretty, yeah, I've, I've seen pretty uh, interesting. I mean the other one that always gets me to is Tammy Bruce from Fox News. Yeah. She was a member of NOW, you know, the National yep. Organization for Women. She talks about the erasure of women all the time. Yep. You know, yeah. how she fought her whole life to get women all these rights, and now they want to do away with women. You know? yep. <laughs> and she's another one. But like I said, I just saw this girl last night. She was pretty impressive. Yeah, I've seen Very videos articulate. of her online, and, uh, and, and I didn't see the interview with Hilton, but, uh, and thanks for the call, too. Uh, I've seen interviews with her online, and most importantly, I've seen what's happened to her. Again, she's gay. One would say that canceling her and trying to ban her from being able to conduct financial transactions on behalf of her group is homophobic. But they won't say that. They won't say that because gays are almost almost as taboo as straights anymore because the movement is trans. The movement is is radical gender theory. It's not even about gay or straight anymore. Gays are almost powerless in the LGBTQ movement. Thank you for the call. We'll be right back. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by Keeping Medicare Simple and The Floor King. Okay, 11.37 now. We continue final segment of AM 1420, The Answer, and Always Right Radio for today. That's here, however. If you're not done listening to all that I have to say, I've got good news for you. I'll be doing the Dennis Prager Show today from noon until 3, heard live here uh, from 1 until 3, because we've got an hour of Charlie Kirk here. But I'll be live from noon to 3 on the Salem uh, News Channel and uh, on the DennisPrager.com site, and I'll be filling in for the brilliant Dennis Prager uh, until 3 o'clock today. So if you've got something you want to say and you don't get a chance to say it here, you can say it to a national audience by dialing up the Prager Show coming up in a bit. Uh, let's go to where next? Roz in Cleveland. Roz, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning. Go ahead. Good morning. 
I would like to remind the people who live in the city of Cleveland to talk to their candidates for the state house and for the state senate concerning the law that does not allow us to vote in our um, school board. We are the only school district in the state of Ohio that does not elect their school board. Back when they were going broke, a law was passed that the school board would be appointed by the mayor. That law is still in effect. Wow. Uh, and that's we something need to get rid of it. I completely agree. Uh, so, so, so the school, so the parents have no recourse whatsoever if they don't like the way things are going for their kids in Cleveland. Correct. That's that's remarkable. They don't get to choose the school board. The school board, of course, hires. Excuse me, uh, the administrators, the principals, the superintendent, and so on and so forth. And that those school board members all come at the discretion of the mayor. That's that's an astounding thing. I didn't realize that. And I wonder think how many of other... who we have mayor now. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the the kid mayor um, who is as radical as radical gets, probably more so than his predecessor. Uh, that's pretty wild. Oh, Thank definitely. You, Thank you, Raz. I appreciate the phone call. Let me go to next to uh, Chuck in North Ridgeville. Chuck, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go right ahead. Bob, great show as always, and I love that recording of the Reverend. It's awesome. Uh, but I learned a lot from your show. One is that I did not know that Cleveland school boards don't allow elections. Yike. How criminal is that? Anyway, I wanted to uh, point out three things. You talked about the polls. Uh, one of the things about almost all the polls, especially these uh, alphabet polls, uh, dumbo rats are solicited almost two to one over our side on almost all of these polls. The second thing is they talk about how uh, abortion issue is going to bring back the dumbo rats. Okay, no, it is so far down the list. Nobody, that is not what people are worried about. And the third thing is they attack us for being Nazis. Nazi is an acronym for Nationalist and That means the National Socialist. All dictators are lefties. They're on the left. We want rights for people. So all these lies that are spread through these polls, I just that's why that's why we're going to roll this year and the next year and the next year. Well, you know what? You you make some brilliant points there, Chuck. Thank you so much for the phone call. I completely concur. Um, particularly as it pertains to all dictators, dictators, totalitarians, authoritarians, and so forth. They all are lefties. You're exactly right. Leftists on that, on the scale, uh, to the point of Marxism, uh, Marxism and communism. Um, socialism is a part of that. People who think that fascism is a right wing thing and, and, and socialism. No. No, no. Anybody that believes in huge government, control of the people, taking away their liberties and their freedom, they're leftists, by very definition. Thank you, my friend. Jim in West Park. Jim, go right ahead. Good morning. Um, Good morning. Everybody's talking about, well, the, especially the establishment. Well, you, you can't keep bringing up the election. Just forget about it. Well, no, we don't. We're not going to forget about it. And if... My point is, if we don't have free and fair elections and legitimate elections, none of the other points that you raised matter. If, the, if they, I'm, not, I'm sorry, not they, you can't say that. If the powers <laughs> to be can put whoever they want into office, we, 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 we don't have a say. 
we don't we can't we don't have anything. So I would say the my point is the free, fair, and honest elections is number one on my list. I'll tell you what, Jim, I think that's a very fair, thank you for the the call. I think that's a very fair answer. I didn't even list it. Among all of the examples I gave about which issue is the most important to you, and Jim came off the board and said free and fair elections, because none of the others will be solved if we don't elect the right people, and we can't elect the right people if we don't have fair elections. He is exactly correct on that. All right. Uh, Hey, before we're done, I'm going to hand it over to Bill O'Reilly. got two things to do here. One. I want to wish uh, everyone in the Jewish community a happy Rosh Hashanah today. That's the reason why I am in for um, Dennis Prager coming up uh, uh, in just a, a few minutes. Uh, so I'll be sitting in for day- Dennis from noon until 3 while he observes this very, very important Jewish holiday. Uh, so I commemorate that with you. Uh, thank you uh, for anybody and everybody in the Jewish community who listens to this program. We have great, great respect and reverence for you. So uh, I want to say that on Rosh Hashanah. And then the last thing I want to do, is I want to remind you that the tickets are moving fast. Don't get shut out of the Battleground Talker Store. It's coming up on October 22nd, less than a month away now, since we are now on 926. Less than a month away from uh, the Battleground Talkers Tour live at the IX Center on October 22nd. Uh, we'll be discussing the economy, the inflation, the border crisis, civil rights, all of the things, the Second Amendment, First Amendment rights, election rights, and beyond. Uh, with Brandon Tatum, Hugh Hewitt, Eric Metaxas, Peter Kersenow, and yours truly. Do not get shut out of this event. Get your tickets now. They're online. you got a great BOGO offer right now. A buy one, get one, so they're not going to last long. Go to uh, whkradio.com, whkradio.com. Get your tickets for the Battleground Talkers Tour coming up next month. Don't get shut out. I want to see you there. Thanks for the time today. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Let's go, Brandon. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.